You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. All right, we want to start a new teaching series this month. First of all, how's your day? How, how, how have you been? What has been happening today? Anybody care to share? Any spectacular experiences of the day? Did anybody splash water on you as you were coming or on your way to work? Did they query you at the office? Let us know. Anybody care to share? How's your day been? Nobody. Everybody just had ordinary boring days. Okay, that's nice. That's very nice. All right. I want to start a new teaching series that we have titled Concerning Spirituals. Um... The title of the teaching series is from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, where Paul says, Concerning spirituals, I will not have you ignorant. All right, so, so we want to discuss spiritual gifts and um, the believer's walk in spiritual gifts, what it means for the believer. I, I am committed um, to making sure that every believer has a well-rounded Christian experience. Every member of Circle Church has a well-rounded Christian experience. And so um, when it comes to um, doctrine, we will excel in doctrine. Amen? Amen? Yeah, we will excel in doctrine. But when it comes to the flow of the things of the Spirit, we will excel in that also. We'll be intelligent enough to know what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do per time. Are you getting it? Um, let me behave like one of those pastors. I bring you greetings from my wife. <laughs> no, that's a funny thing to say. She, she can't be around. She's currently on the island. Um, so she can't be around. But greetings from her all the same. All right, John chapter 14, verse 8 to 11. Let me start from here. John chapter 14 verse 8 to 11. So I did announce yesterday um, in, um, when, I, when I went live yesterday to address the church for the live um, 6 p.m. prayer time, I did say that our, our Wednesday church meetings will be teaching meetings where I'll take time out to explain the, the doctrines around spiritual gifts and if the holy spirit would permit us we would practicalize some of those things you see because christian things must be done line upon line precept upon precept a little here a little there so it's it's not just taught it must be practicalized are you getting that but we will spend the bulk of our sunday services practicalizing and if the holy spirit will give me permission i will teach a little bit. That's the way it's going to be. So for the first act church, you guys will get the bulk of the teaching and um, some of the practicals. For the son, for the um, Yaba church, they will get the bulk of the practicals and some of the teaching. The idea is that everybody is well-rounded. Another reason is um, a lot of the members of the Yaba church have already been taught. All right. A lot of the members of the Yaba church have already been taught. And so... Um, Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so we'll spend good time doing a lot of teachings in the first church. The reason why 
um, these teachings are important is whenever we have services like this where we, we take time to teach on the things of the Spirit, um, usually the Holy Spirit likes to teach them practically. So many times I could, in the middle of my teaching, break into a prophecy or break into um, a, um, a word of knowledge, just know things about people um, that, that I didn't know before, I just knew by the Spirit. But John chapter 14, verse 8 to 11, let's get some word. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. He says, How sayest thou, show us the Father? Next two verses. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. He said, my father or the father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. I started with this portion of scripture because I wanted to say something important. Jesus came to show us the father. Does that make sense? Jesus came to reveal the father. All right. And he revealed the father in his words in his actions, and in his person. Jesus revealed the Father in his words, are you getting me? In his actions, and in his person. So, not only did his words reveal the Father, his actions also, the miracles he worked, revealed the Father. But not only that, what he stood for as a person, revealed the Father. Now, the revelation of the Father is not complete if the nature, not just attributes now, but the divine nature of the Father is not revealed. This is important. You know, a lot of orthodox or theological Christian um, gatherings spend a lot of time on the attributes of God. God is just. God is kind. God is loving. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's um, omnipresent. Um, we spend a lot of time on all the attributes of God, but then there is the divine nature of God, the nature of divinity. And, and when we talk about divinity, we're just talking about that which, which negates, you know, the human possibilities, possibilities that exist outside of human possibilities. Do you get it? You can't truly reveal God if you don't reveal that he's a miracle worker. You can't reveal God if you don't reveal that he's divine, that he does things that only God can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so Jesus came to reveal the Father. Now, why did Jesus come to reveal the Father? Did he just come to say, oh, look, there's this great guy. I used to know him where I was before I came here. Great, great guy. He created everything, actually. And um, he loves you, just so you know. And just now that I've told you, no. That's not why he revealed the Father. He revealed the Father to draw us into a union with the Father. Do you understand? Because you cannot be properly united with somebody or something that you don't understand. Is that true? Yeah. So he revealed the Father 
to draw us into a union or a koinonia with the Father. What does this mean, though? You see, even in earthly terms, when people begin to interact, so for instance, my mom owns a school in Festac, and um, the bulk of my morning I spent in her school, I'm helping out. And then when the school closed, there was this young boy. I noticed him. He was rascally. He just, you know, was disturbing everybody. And he was about to run home. And then he had this other friend who he was calling. I can't remember the life. I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me. So let me call him Jatanakus. He was calling him, Jatanakus, let's go home. And then my mother said, no, two of you should not go home again together. And then she was like, this young man was always quiet until you came into his life. Now he's rascally like you are. You see, the nature of union is that union must rub off characteristics on one another. Do you understand? Our humanity rubbed off on God. He became a man. But his divinity will rub off on us. Do you get that? Uh So if if Jesus revealed the Father just so we could be in a perfect union with him, then there must be a rub off of the divine on the believer. Listen, this is the simplest way. I can explain spiritual gifts to you. There has to be a rub-off of the divine on the believer. The absence of that rub-off could be indicative of the absence of a union. Are you getting what I'm saying? The absence of that rub-off could be indicative of the absence of a union. And so if the believer is truly in a relationship with the Father, there has to be the fingerprint of the divine on the believer. If I have touched, if I touch this, it might not show just yet, but my fingerprints are left behind. So those of you that watch crime investigation um, series, you watch law series, most times how do they catch the bad guy? Fingerprints, right? Because wherever you go, whatever you touch, there has to be a rub-off of you on that thing. So if you have really been touched by God, there has to be a rub-off of God's divine nature on the believer. We can call we can call it several names. Paul called them spiritual gifts. Many people have different names that they call these things. But in the end, I think the most um, the most um, the all encapsulating way to call it is the grace of God, the rub off of the divine, the the flow of the spirit, the have you ever have you know when I was in secondary school there was this young man he had this perfume it was passion how many of you remember that passion perfume I can't forget it because of him I hated it I don't know how he used to wear it now there's wearing perfume and then there's bathing because <laughs> this young man would be coming from a mile away and you can smell him so just imagine someone like that hugs you. Forget whatever perfume you wore that day. You're going to be a man of passion. You know? <laughs> and that's how it is. Some of you in relationships, you know how um, maybe you wear your boyfriend's um, hoodie or sweater. And you just know this is the smell. This is his particular rub-off. 
That's what spiritual gifts are for the believer. It therefore makes no sense. Let me start like this. Or let me say this at this point. It therefore makes no sense for the believer to have a sense of disqualification from the use of spiritual things. Are you getting it? You see, because it's a rub-off. It's not something you, you worked to do. Let me tell you something. Spiritual gifts are not the major essence of receiving the Spirit of God. I hope you know. They are not. They are not the major, they are not top two of the major essence of receiving the Spirit of God. Spiritual gifts are a byproduct of the receiving of the Spirit. It's the truth. It's the truth. A person can go all his life without working a single miracle and it doesn't make him less a Christian. It just means he didn't grow in that area of his life. He didn't utilize what was given, but it doesn't make him any less a Christian. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. If, if somebody's perfume rubbed off on you after you hugged the person, the, the perfume was a rub off. It wasn't the essence. It wasn't, um, it's not one of the benefits of hugging the person. It was a rub off. It was, oh, I hugged you and then my, your perfume rubbed off on me and that's it. So it makes no sense to think that, oh, there are things you can do that will disqualify you from the working of the things of the Spirit. This is why um, a lot of Christians usually have this question when they see scandals around men of God and then they see that a particular man of God has been living with certain contradictions in his life. You know what? I mean? Still a child of God. He was still in union with God. Is that true? Yes. He still, even though he contradicted, that's why I call them contradictions. Even though he contradicted the terms of his arrangement with God, he was still in union with God. Is that true? That means the robber was still there. That's why the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They can be taken away. Do you get what I'm saying? If I'm wet and you hug me, I can't help but make you wet too. It's not something I can shield you from. Do you get it? Do you understand this? Yeah. That's why spiritual gifts are... They're not a way to measure spiritual growth. <laughs> are you following? They're not a way to measure spiritual growth. Oh, this man, he walks so many miracles. He must really be close to God. Not necessarily. He might be intelligent... In the use of spiritual things. You know you could get intelligence in the use of spiritual things. You could get really intelligent. In, and, and by the time we are done with this teaching series, many of you will be. He might be really intelligent in the use of spiritual things. Another thing is, the way spiritual gifts work is that the more you use a particular gift, the better at it you become. It's not so different from skills that you learn in everyday life. Raise your hand if you have a job that is skill dependent. Maybe you're a graphics designer or you're a designer or you're a tailor. Raise your hand. Do I have anyone like that? So just me. What do the rest of you do? Accounting. What? You move. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but if you, if you have like a range of skills, let's say you sing, you act, you dance, you're talented like that, there will be one skill that you excel in more than the others because you use more. Is that true? Because maybe that's the one people ask you to perform more with. So, for instance, if you're a singer and a dancer, but people like your voice, they'll be like, oh, please sing for us. And so you grow with the singing skill, and then the dancing skill is still there, but 
Do you get it? That's why some people excel in some spiritual gifts than the others. Some people have gotten so skilled at the use of um, word of knowledge, for instance. They can look at you and call your phone number. doesn't mean that they're really close to God. Their relationship with God might be faulty at the moment, and yet they are flowing accurately in the things of the Spirit. And this is why I, I personally think it is dangerous to then say, if I prayed for somebody and the person was healed, then God is pleased with me. But if I, if I prayed for somebody and the person was not healed, then God is not pleased with me. You see, because the devil, will, the devil knows that that's not true. And so the devil will use it against you. So when the miracle is what devil come and tell you that, you see, all the sin you have been doing is normal. God is pleased with your sin. Keep doing it. Continue. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter number 12. All right. First Corinthians 12, 1. I'm not there. That's why I'm, that's why I'm, I'm stalling. First Corinthians 12, 1. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts or about matters of the spirit brothers i do not want you to be unaware that word unaware in the greek is the word idiotis i-d-o-i-d-i-o-t-e-s idiotis yes it's where you get the word idiot from Um, and what paul was saying there is i do not want you to be willfully ignorant concerning the things of the spirit You know, some people are willfully ignorant concerning the things of the Spirit. You you grow in every other aspect of your spiritual life except spiritual gifts. And when conversations around spiritual gifts come up, some people, some of you know people who just... (laughs) I'm not interested in this. This is for men of God. This is for pastors. This is not for me. And so you shut your ears down. But this is the thing. The life of the believer was designed to be divine. Do you understand? It, it, it was actually designed to be divine. That's why we're called believers, really. The fact that we, the just is meant to live by faith. So the life of the believer was designed to be divine. So there are several aspects of your life where the Holy Spirit will have you live by the manifestation of spiritual gifts. If you are not intelligent about them, it's just fly right over your head. So, for instance, the most common one, something told me. How many of you have had something told me experiences? Something told me not to go there. Something told me not to do this. Or, raise your hand if this has ever so happened to you. It happens once in a while, but it's very strange. Where you see somebody and you know a detail about the person that you know that you should not know. Raise your hand if that ever so happened to you before. That you just know a detail. And it, you were not praying, you were not in the mood of prayer, you just knew. And God designed for you to live your life like that. Our relationships as Christians were designed to be governed by the flow of spiritual things. It, <laughs> So Paul says, concerning spirituals, he says, I will not have you 
to be uninformed, to be willfully ignorant, to be unaware. He says, you know, verse 2, that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand, verse 3, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by who? Except by who? Now, why did Paul say this? Paul started his teaching on spiritual gifts by a very important classification. And it is this. Spiritual gifts are only made possible by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? And the presence of the Holy Spirit is verified or validated by the submission to the Lordship of Christ by a person. Do you get that? So when a person is submitted to Christ, you can testify that the Holy Spirit lives in the person. Why is this important? Because a couple of years ago, growing up, most of us that grew up in the 90s, there was a particular pastor in this country who most of the time used to like to use relaxers and um, um, certain gels and all of that on his hair. And for the longest period, a lot of people said this man was using jazz because he worked a lot of miracles. He said he's using jazz because he's using relax. (laughs) How ridiculous. He's using jazz because he's using relaxer. Some people, there was another man of God in Lagos. Sometimes he would, he, he, he was dramatic in the way he flowed in the things of the spirit. So he would do like this. The person would bend to the side. He would, then, he would, then the person would fall. That's exactly how he used to do it. Say, so, no, it's jazz. That God does not operate that way. That you don't know the spirit that this man is operating with. Listen, I want to say this first of all. As long as the person agrees that Jesus is Lord, you don't have a reason to doubt where they are from. I'm not the one that said it. It's right there. Right? It says, therefore, I'm informing you. He's telling you now for your information. That you, I'm informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will call Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by whom? So if the person submits to the Lordship of Christ, we have no reason to doubt what he's saying. Are you getting me? Ah, yes. You might not agree with the methods. There was this particular man of God in the United States, Todd Bentley. He used to, you know, somebody, there was um, a woman came that she had a tumor. She punched her, he punched her stomach. Go! (laughs) And she was healed. That's the funny thing, she was healed. (laughs) The tumor went. (laughs) I don't like that. There are other ways to heal tumors. You can't touch the person, speak over the person. You don't have to punch. One time Smith Wigglesworth kicked the person. Yeah, he kicked kicked the baby Jesus out of the demon. Get out. Yeah. Let me say this now as a precursor to our teaching. So this teaching is introduction to spiritual gifts. All right. As long as... It does not go against scripture. When it comes to spiritual things, strange is fine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Strange is what? Fine. You know how strange it was that there was a blind man that came before Jesus and he spat on mud, put it on his eyes. 
You know, because you've heard the story several times, it sounds normal to you now. But imagine you came to me and say, Pastor, I have pimples on my face. I'm like, hmm, come with me. So I take you outside. And we keep walking because first that has a lot of tired roads. But then we get to where there's mud. I'm going to stand here. Then I bend down and take the mud. Now, mud on its own on your face is a terrible thing. But then I now spit in it. Twer, twer. Then rub it on your face. After I've rubbed your face, I'm like, hmm, carry it for the next two hours. Then wash your face. Don't wash your face anywhere. Go to Agboju and buy pure water. And watch your face. You You'll just be like, is it because I came to meet you? Right? <laughs> but as long as it comes, when it comes to things of the Spirit, as long as it does not directly violate the rules of Scripture, <laughs> strange is very fine. I remember in 2010, as a young man, he was ill, suddenly just fell ill. Then I was in secondary school, so just so you know, I was in my final year in secondary school. And then this young man ran to, they brought him to me that, oh, he's ill. I started ministry in secondary school, so they brought this guy to me that he's ill. So I looked at him, I was like, okay, fine, come with me. So they followed me to my room, and I told him, sleep here. I put him on my bed and asked him to sleep. And he slept on my bed and woke up fine. He was healed. Was there anointing in the bed? No. <laughs> it's the supply of the Spirit. I've taught you before. The obedience to the instruction brought. The healing, strange, is fine. Do you get it? Strange is fine. Sometimes, some people would say, oh, I'm going through this on several locations. I've told people, get a glass of water. Put your hand over the glass of water. Speak these words over the glass of water. Now drink the glass of water. Nothing happened to the glass of water. It was just water. <laughs> but when it comes to the things of the Spirit, provided it does not violate the teaching of Scripture, strange is fine. So no man speaking by the Holy Spirit will ever call Jesus accursed. And no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. And so when you see somebody who obviously submits to the Lordship of Jesus, walking a miracle, your predisposition towards that miracle is not suspicion. You know some people have become spiritual detectives. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes of the Spirit. You, some people have become spiritual detectives. Somebody walks in miracle like, hmm, be careful, though. It's pastors of these days. You don't know where they're getting their power from. I would always tell people something. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12, 2 and 3. But secondly, even if it was a fake miracle, you don't, you don't fake things that don't exist. Is that true? You don't fake things that don't exist. You will never see anybody who will fake, um, I don't know, call something that doesn't exist. It does not exist. You would only fake things that already have the original. So if they can fake it, then we can do the real thing. Glory to God. Yeah. You know, several times, and we're going to read to verse 31. I'll, I'll show you certain things in scripture, but let me say this. Several times I saw um, Papa Hagen, um, Kenneth Hagen, do miracles. And then one particular day I was watching this man of God. I'd seen Papa Hagen pray for somebody with a shorter leg, and the leg grew out. I said, wow, have you ever seen that happen before? It's surreal. It doesn't look real, I promise you. And then 
I watched this particular man of God in East Africa, Emmanuel Makadinwe, something like that. Yeah, that guy. And he just told this lady, he did it so simply. He just told this lady, come with me. She came with him. He put her on the stage. Sit down. She sat down. Put the two legs. It was obviously shorter. <laughs> you know, there are some miracles you cannot fake. It's either it happened or it did not happen. There's no way you want to fake it. So he said, he put the leg on the stage. Then he said, okay, sit down. She sat down. They put the leg so that everybody could see, put the camera in the right angle. You can see that the legs are shorter. Some people have said that, oh, there's a way to shift. You can't do it when you're sitting down. When you sit down, your legs will be the way God created them to be. Uh (laughs) So he laid hands on her. And suddenly in the front of everybody, the legs started to grow out. Life. I said, wow. (laughs) Now some people would have the predisposition that maybe he paid her. Maybe she has a body condition. Maybe just maybe it's the Holy Ghost. How about that? Could it be? Then why don't you just choose that that's what you believe? <laughs> that, see, you might have proof that it's fake, but the Holy Spirit can do it. So it's the Holy Spirit that did it. <laughs> Listen, as a believer, choose faith. Over fear every time. Choose faith over doubt every time. Because if you don't learn to choose faith as a believer, you are are contradicting your nature. You are called a believer because you believe. (laughs) So you are contradicting your nature. So you see a miracle worked. Your your first instinct should not be suspicion. That hmm. You know, if people tested doctrines as much as they tested miracles, we'll have a better church. The one that we should be testing, we don't test it. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry can come up and say anything, make it sound nice, and everybody will accept. Especially if it starts with God told me. I accept. But when we see a miracle, that you really, see, by virtue of the fact that it's a miracle, just means it can't be tested. Is that true? You cannot logically prove it. You know, some people tell me, give me logical proof for um, the mirror. I say, if I can prove it logically, then it's not. Your question is logically inconsistent. If I could prove it logically, then it's not a miracle. Am I saying that you should now, that as long as people get results, you should believe in them? No. There's a criteria here. Anybody who believes in Jesus and submits to the Lordship of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. Yeah. And if he has the Holy Spirit and he's working a miracle, then I have to assume that it is by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because because of this suspicious detective behavior, a lot of people exempt themselves from the working of miracles. Praise the Lord. Verse 4. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirits. There are different gifts, but who? Look at this. See, when it comes to spiritual gifts, the unifying factor is the Holy Ghost. He's, he's the denominator that runs across everything. Old and young, big or small, it is always the Holy Ghost. Now let me pause here a little bit and talk about this. Some people say things like, um, a lady was born. You know, some of you have friends who say things like, since I was born, since the moment I was born, 
If I dream something, it comes to pass. If you are not a Christian, if you don't believe in Jesus or submit to the Lordship of Jesus, I am glad to announce to you that you are doing it by demons. <laughs> yeah. Because the same, the same yardstick for measurements when it comes to, oh, if the man accepts Jesus and believes in the Lordship of Jesus, submits to the Lordship of Jesus, then we should believe him. It's the same yardstick that applies to, if we can't see the submission to the Lordship of Jesus, we can't see the acceptance of Jesus, we can't see the Holy Ghost, then how are you doing it? Demons. <laughs> and that's the thing, demons can replicate spiritual things because you see <laughs> let's start like this the spiritual realm is not all good do you understand there's god in the spiritual realm but then there's the devil right there are angels and then there are demons is that true aha so the spiritual realm is not all good so things that are worked by the holy spirit can be worked by Demons. Okay. So it is possible. That's why it's possible for you to walk into um, an Ifa priest, his shrine, and he will tell you, this is what you are going to do next week. This is where you are going to be. Um, this is why you came. And you're like, wow, how did you know? Demons have gone to go and do intelligence. They've run around to go and find out what's going on. Then they came and told they said, okay, this is it. Here's the answer. Tell him. And I said, wow, this man must be a man of God. And that's the problem. A lot of people cannot differentiate between Hey, God. I. So you have Christians that come to church and go to shrine. Whatever works. They will carry you and tell you that take you to one river to go and bath you. So they will bath you so that when people see you, they will be favoring you. <laughs> God, Jesus. Okay. And you too, you too, you know, the, you, you have been taught, you will not, let's go. I know a young man, I prayed for him two years ago, whose mom took him to a river to bathe him. I don't want to call the sect of spirit, spiritualists that carried him to the river. They took him to um, the beach at Badagri to bathe him. Some of you already know who I'm talking about. And then they, they bathed him. Then they put an incision on his head. They cut his head and put something inside. And the guy ran mad. He ran mad. Two years ago, I prayed for him. He ran mad. So when, when I went to their house, like his own madness was weird because he could talk with you normally. Once, like he was, you know, all those that they are mad Loki. <laughs> it's when you spend time talking to this person, I realize, ah, this guy's mad. <laughs> no, but like you, he could hold a conversation for a while. So both of you will be talking, he will be talking with you. Then suddenly, it's like at some point you'll be like, what are we talking about again? How did we get here? And it's not like what he's saying is coherent. He's just speaking. I'm talking about the order of this angel. I'm looking at this particular person that's happening. I'm looking at, and I'm like, at, at the first time when he was talking, I just thought, oh, okay, maybe he's listening to some weird thing. 
Then I, I kept talking to this guy. And as I was talking to him, I discerned this person. is a demon that is doing him. So I called him aside and I said, um, what church do you go to? He attends um, Pastor Kingsley Okonkwa's church, DCC, or used to attend DCC at the time. Um, but I, I doubt Pastor Kingsley knows him that well. So he was like, oh, he attended DCC. I was like, okay, fine. But ha- what was happening? So after much probing, he talked to me and told me how his mom took him to some place. They poured water on him. That, but since ever since they poured, his mind opened. I said, that mind will close in Jesus' name. <laughs> it will close back. everybody i am listen it's not everybody that should prophesy over your life i'm not everybody should touch your head in name of i'm no blood everybody should do that even as your pastor some some of you know if i'm going to pray for you i'll ask you first can i put my hand on your head because even as a pastor it's not everybody i lay hands on ah (laughs) you can put your hand on the wrong person you see crazy So, in as much as we are believers, we, we see some other believer walking in the things of the Spirit, and we covet it, we want it, and we act it out. We ought to also be discerning. We ought to also be discerning. Are you getting what I'm saying? And first of all, discernment is a skill before it is a gift of the Spirit. Oh, it's a skill you must learn. Discernment comes first and foremost from the Word of God. There are certain things you hear certain people say, say, no, I don't care how many miracles you are flowing in. You are not a Christian. You say, I want to pray for you according to the order of the seven books of Moses. Hold your books. Hold your books. Don't pray for me. Carry your books and go, to, go somewhere else. <laughs> and, that, and this is the danger with our generation because our generation is too... Our generation idolizes new knowledge. Our generation idolizes new knowledge. And so we take pride in knowing things that we think other people don't know. That's why you will have, I think everybody has encountered either a colleague at work or some weirdo who would talk about how he has transcended the knowledge of the church. He has transcended the knowledge in scripture. That they are, do you know about the books of Moses? Have you, have you heard people talk like that before? Do you know about the books of Moses? The book of Enoch. Talk about deep writings. The ah, Akashic records. Yes, that's it. The Akashic records. I'm like, what are you talking about? You say, these are deep spiritual. I don't want. Because all the access to the spirit realm has been given to me by the Holy Spirit. I don't need to know anything Moses knew. Moses, there's no way Moses could have known as much as I know. Are you getting it? No matter, see, even if Moses wrote 15 books on the spiritual realm, he would never know as much as I know. Because when it comes to the spirit realm, the man that has the Holy Ghost is superior. He's the one that knows. Do you get it? Uh The book of Enoch. The Bible actually said that Enoch walked with God. That what were the things Enoch saw when he was walking with God? I don't need to know. Because you see, the man that walked with God and the man that has God living inside of him, one person is more superior than the other. Yeah, I don't need to know what Enoch saw. God lives in me. Yeah. 
the angel Uriel. <coughs> you better be careful, though. Another mistake a lot of people make is they want to build tents where spiritual events occur. I think if I'm going to title this teaching, it's a common mistakes people make about things of the Spirit. You want to build tents where spiritual events occur. You know, just like in Matthew, was it 17? Where Jesus was transfigured. And then those people say, ah, we've seen Elijah. We've seen Jesus. We've seen Moses. Let's build tents here. But you don't understand. Spiritual occurrences were designed to move you forward. Not to keep you in one position. Do you understand this? Yeah. It's because people want to build tents. That's why we have mantle services, anointing oil services. That's why we have, because people just want to, we want to hold on to past experiences at the expense of a relationship that we're supposed to be building. If you understood, see, if you understood how the spiritual realm works, right, you realize that it is futile to think that doing the same thing two times will work. Except you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Because in several, in fact, I see it often when I have to lay hands on people. Sometimes um, I, I gather a crowd of people um, like we did at the camp meeting and at the end of the camp meeting. And many times what happens when I'm praying for people is that I work with angels, the ministry of angels. So many times um, I'm giving insights in, th- um, in things of the spirit. I can see them move around. I know who to pray for by the movement of angels. I know what is going on when an angel is laying hands on someone or ministering to somebody. And so sometimes, um, that actually, that's any pastor that you see doing that thing where something's happening over there and suddenly somebody screams. His angelic ministry he's actually observing. Aha. Uh-huh. So um, Many times that's what you observe. And when you observe the way the Holy Spirit works with angels around, you realize that the only pattern is the direction of the Holy Spirit. If he does it with angels, he does it with men too. So sometimes you say, put your hand on this person's stomach. The next person you want to lay hands on, you say, no, not the stomach, the head. Some other people say, put your hand on the face. And then you're like... Some of you, um, it has so happened to you. I want to pray for you. You are falling. I will catch you. I say, come back. You're not supposed to fall. <laughs> this one is not for falling. Stand. I have words to speak into your life. Come, stand in front of me. Right? Yeah. A lot of people want to camp around spiritual experiences. Say, ah, last week we were praying in church. And I think, I think that, because there was a time in my meetings that we had such experiences a lot. Um, when I was an undergraduate, we had, you know what they call strange spiritual experiences uh, a lot. Um, we, we would have a worship meeting, we would pray together. Sometimes, um, <laughs> I don't like to share many of these testimonies because they are weird. <laughs> I remember one time we had a meeting, we were praying, we were done praying, and then people in the crowd saw oil on their hands. The oil wasn't there before. It, it, you were in the meeting, and they saw oil on their hands. And I was like, I didn't see it. There was no oil on my heart. <laughs> but, but they saw. And I was like, okay, nice. At some point, um, a particular role just started to describe certain angelic activity that they were observing. And I, wasn't, I was just like, finish your description. 
But this was the thing. Even I made the mistake. I now, so I now made every meeting about those experiences. And when you do that, it becomes a problem. Are you getting what I'm saying? It becomes a problem. So an angel stirred the water in the New Testament one time and the people were healed. They now built camps around that pool and said the angel will come once how many years? Once in a year. Once in a year, right? And stir the water. And this man who had been lame from birth for 38 years has been waiting there all his life. So much so that when Jesus came to meet him and said, what will you have me do for you? He was looking at the healing, the source of healing, the son of righteousness that arises with healing in his wings. The one who could heal the blind, the one who created legs. He was looking at him and he said to him, there's an angel that comes to stir this water. If you could just be kind enough to make sure that I'm the first to enter when the angel comes. Do you know how silly that sounds? That's how many people are. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will say, I want to do this in your life. But no, if it does not come by the anointing oil or by mantle, ah, Holy Ghost, don't do it like that. Oh. You have to go through. Ah, ah. Holy Spirit, do you know the mystery in the ah, ah. Ha. I remember <laughs> um, for... This was 2016. 2016 was five years ago, right? How time flies, you. <laughs> 2016, I was invited to minister at one church. It was a vigil. It was um, elderly people. You know elderly people, when you, when you pray for some people, some circles, if you've not poured oil on your hand, you've not done your prayers, so in this particular meeting, I had ministered, I'd finished the teaching, then we prayed a little bit. Then I started to flow in the things of the Spirit. And I'd flowed. People who were oppressed with demons, they were delivered, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, all of that had finished. Words of knowledge here and there, calling out people's conditions from their father's side. You know those kind of meetings? Yeah. I had finished all of that. You know, sometimes as a man of God, when you are done, you'll be like, yeah, I did this one well. And then the person who invited me said, Pastor, now if you could just put oil on your hand and pray for them. And I was just thinking to myself that, ah, this one that I prayed now, is it not enough? <laughs> is it not enough? People have been delivered. People have been healed. What's the oil for? So that if you could just conduct deliverance. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, no problem. I, 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 give me oil. Took, now, this is the interesting thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is, he can instruct me, take oil and anoint people. Yeah, and I'll do it. <laughs> That's why I said, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, provided it does not contradict the teaching of Scripture, strange is fine. Strange is very fine. That's why I'm not quick. I'm not quick to, um, you know, they say, this man of God, we heard him telling people to pay for this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit... <laughs> anyway, let me not go into that. I was at verse 4, right? 
Now there are um, varieties of gifts, or there are different gifts, but the same spirit. Verse 5. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. He said there are different activities, but the same God is active in everyone and everything. I want, I want us to pay some attention to verse 5, where he says there are different ministries. The word there, um, ministries, is actually um, the word to serve. Do you understand? So some translations even say there are different services. Some translations say administrations. All right? It means to serve. And there is a connotation that Paul was driving at when he used this word. You see, because service will always be at the prerogative of the one serving. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for instance... Have you ever been an usher at a party before? Raise your hand if you've ever been an usher at a party before. Maybe your mom's birthday or somebody's wedding that you knew and you had to serve food. Now, now, when the food had been given to you to serve, the service of the food was at your discretion. Is that true? Yeah, so you, you choose who you give food to. So this tells you that when it comes to the things of the Spirit, there are different gifts, but it's the same Spirit. Different ministries, but the same Lord. Now, why did he say different ministries, but the same Lord? Because the servant is at the mercy of the master, right? But it's the master who gives instructions to serve. And when the instructions to serve have been given, the servant interprets the instructions and utilizes them. Is that true? So when he says that we have different ministries but the same Lord. It means that these gifts that are given by this same Spirit will be administered by different people as the same Lord has directed. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the ministration of spiritual gifts is at the prerogative of the minister. Are you getting this? Mm. The ministration of spiritual gifts is at the prerogative of the minister. Another way to put this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The spirit of the prophet is subject to who? The prophet. It will never so happen that you just be walking on the road. Then you just see somebody. Then one force will just pull you towards the person. Say your name is Nkechi. Sister Nkechi, right? Say yes. I don't know why I'm saying this to you. You know, I don't like when people say that to me. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know you before. I don't know why I'm saying this to you. But it's like, Oga, calm down. Did the Lord send you or not? If he sent you, administer. Don't tell me you don't know why you are saying it. You know why. You are the one that's choosing to say it. You can choose not to. Is that true? Yeah. And some of you, even if God appears in, his, in the fullness of his glory. Wow. Angels flapping their wings like this around him. Say, go and tell him. That he should do so, so, so. You say, God, I'm shy. <laughs> Honestly. I would have loved to thank you for this vote of confidence because it means a lot to me that you believe in me so much. But ugh, what if I'm wrong? And then God is like, I'm standing behind. <laughs> <Can't you? laughs> the administration of spiritual gifts is at the prerogative of the minister. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, many times, when the Bible says that there are different ministries but the same Lord, 
one of the different or one of the most important connotations of that statement is that I can identify a need and at the moment I identify that need, choose what ministry will be necessary to take care of that need and administer it. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Ah. So, for instance, Pastor Daniel could come up with a leg pain. It's your leg pain here. Okay. Who could come up with a leg pain, right? And I would say, oh, what's the problem? You say, my leg is paining me. And I don't need to be under a thick cloud to say, can I pray for you and bring a healing to your leg? Is that true? Yeah. At the same time, um, Coincola could be at an impasse, a difficult situation in her life where she doesn't know what to choose. And I say, can we hold hands and pray? And I speak with tongues and interpret to give direction to what she ought to do. I can do that. I can choose when to do that. Just like as I'm talking now, if I say pray in the language of the Holy Ghost, all of you will. Do you understand? Why? Because you have... Different ministries, but the same Lord. Everyone with the ministry can administer his ministry as he so chooses. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I remember one time. Um, this was 2019. My friends, I wasn't in this story, so it was a friend of mine. So my friends would generally... Sometimes yeah, my, my friends can put you in trouble. They can just call you, give me word. They just call you, Hafa, what are you doing? Give me word. And you have to be on point because they tell you, you know they pray. But well, I've caught you. So after service then, they, used, they attend, most of my friends attend CCI, um, Celebration Church. So um, some of them would gather around and um, just edify themselves and what I mean by edify themselves is they'll just give each other words. Just, oh, um, this is what's going on in your life, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. Oh, yeah. And then they'll just go around. And this is what God is telling me to tell you to do and all of that. So one young man was passing, and he was also a Christian like them. He attended the church. They called him, okay, come. We're edifying one another. Join the circle. Don't pass like you did not see us. <laughs> Join the circle. What's wrong with you? And that's, some of you are like that. You will see people edifying. That's when you just carry your face down. How will you grow if you keep behaving like that? <laughs> so they asked him, join the circle, he joined. Oh, your guy defiles. The man has there singing. <laughs> so, okay, they sang along. Because sometimes it could come in a song. Do you understand? I remember, um, I'll get back to my story. I remember in 2019, I was in a meeting. And suddenly I just talked to someone and said, this is what God said to say to you. And I started singing a song. And as I was thinking, he started to cry. Right? Because it could come in a song. Uh-huh. So, so the guys there singing, so okay. It could come in a song. First song has finished, is there another one? Second song, so oh, guys, not prison worship session. It defy us. <laughs> because there's this mistake that we have that I, I need to stir it up, just wind it and stir it and stir it before I can flow. Hallelujah. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You are, you are, you are constantly plugged into the source. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you are, you are constantly plugged in to the source. And so, just direct the flow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just direct the flow. 
Just direct the flow. And it's simple. Not, hmm. You know, some people, um, you are called on. (laughs) Praise the Lord. During this teaching series, one of these Wednesdays, it could be today. (laughs) We just pass the mic around. Show me 1 Corinthians 14, 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Um, 26. Everybody read this together one to go. How is it then, brothers, whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language, or an interpretation. He says, all things must be done for... He says, when you come together, each one, not the pastor, right? Each one. So when you came here, you came with your own. Ah, yes. So if I pass the mic around, everybody should have something to say or do. Ah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Should we try it now? <laughs> Some of them, no, 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 no. Let's not. <laughs> you know, one of, one of the best things about spiritual gifts, one of the things I like seeing the most is seeing people who have never done it before do it and get shocked. Aha. So it was correct. <laughs> yes, it was. It's not the exclusive preserve of the people who are called into ministry. Listen, I, I might be more intelligent in the use of these things. And I cannot deny that there is a grace um, to flow in these things that comes with the office. Do you understand? Specifically. So you might do it in a measure and the man who is called do it in a greater measure. Because it's a tool of his ministry. It's, it's like saying, um, I know how to drive a nail into the wall. But the carpenter is better skilled at it than I am, right? It's a tool of his own ministry, of, of his job. For me, it's maybe a vocational skill I learned. Uh-huh. So you might do it in a measure, but the pastor might work better with the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom um, than a normal church member. Or um, a a person who is not a pastor. But this does not mean that we shouldn't all operate with these gifts as often as we can. Praise the Lord. This does not mean that we should not all operate with these gifts as often as we can. So once in a while, call people for this. Just say, how far? I want to give you what? Can we pray two minutes together? You speak in tongues and then just flow from there. Hallelujah. The thing is, the more you do it, you might even not need to speak that tongue. Just call him, say, Alpha, listen. You just go, say, what, is it true? Yes. Let's pray about it. And you pray about it. That's how you know when a brother is in need. A brother is in need. He has hid himself. He does not want to talk to anybody. You just call him, hello, I saw you. <laughs> you cannot hide. <laughs> you know, I heard of a prophet, you know, that... There are levels to this thing. And, and the attitude we should have is that when you see people do things, you should say, if this man can do it, I should be able to do it too. I heard of a prophet that once told uh, a, a lady, a pastor, like a pastor couple that were his friends. He told them, when you need me, I will call you. <laughs> ah, they said, shouldn't, uh, his name was Bob Jones. He was a white man. They said, shouldn't it be the other way around that when we need you, we call you? He said, no. 
when you need me, I will call you. And truth to word, when they needed him, he picked up the phone and called and said, hello, you need me. <laughs> ah, there are levels to this thing. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard the man of God say, you will see me in your dream tonight. I said, ah. do they usually control these things? <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Praise the Lord. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 5. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 5. It says, different ministries, but the same Lord. Different ministries, but the same Lord. Different ministries, but the same Lord. Verse 6, and there are different activities, but the same God is active in everyone and everything. Verse 7. It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. Now, if you read this in the KJV, can we get this in the KJV? There's something I want to point out. Just verse 7 in the KJV. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. You can go back to the HCSV. What I wanted to point out is that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to a person to produce what is beneficial for every person. Do you understand? So gifts of the Spirit are not personal avenues for um, personal refreshment. Do you understand? This is why I heard a man of God say something and he was so, he was so intelligent. One of the most intelligent things I've heard the person say about the things of the Spirit a man cannot actually use the gift of healing on himself. A man can't. You might, when it comes to healing, personal healing, it has to be by the word. It actually has to be by the word. It actually has to be by applying faith in God's word for healing. You can't lay hands on yourself and say, be healed now. You're not for that. I get up. I'm healed. No, you can't. No. Now, can a man of God on TV say, put your hand away, away and then, yeah. Who is administering the gift? The man. But when it's personal, it's not the gifts that work for you. Tongues and interpretation as a gift don't work in personal lives. This sounds weird, but there's a difference. When you are praying in tongues, you might get leadings that will lead you to pray in a particular way. That's not tongues and interpretation. And many of you know what I'm saying. Even when you've tried to interpret tongues in, in your personal prayer time, it ends up being about the church, about somebody else, or about something else, but not just you. Or about the ministry God will have you do for the church. Because the gifts of the Spirit have been given to each person to benefit, um, to produce what is beneficial for all. Are you getting me? So it has to edify the church for it to be a gift. Not individuals. That's the principle. That's the principle. So you don't use the gift of the Spirit for show-off, showmanship. Say, ah, say, do you know who I am? Do you know how many gifts I operate in? I can tell you your name, your birthday, and everything, just like that. <laughs> it has to be beneficial. There's, so, for instance, I always say that my best healings to work are the ones that come by word of knowledge. 
I know for a fact that you'll be healed. The only reason why I got a word of knowledge for that case is so that you'll be healed. Do you get I, I don't have to know how to pray to work that kind of a miracle. Because <laughs> it, it has to produce what is beneficial. So let me just use this. On this principle, explain the difference between praying in tongues and the gifts of tongues. Some of you can already see what the difference is, right? Praying in tongues is personal prayer. It's not a gift. It's, it's praying in the Spirit. It's enabled by the Holy Spirit. But the gift of tongues is done for the church. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so praying in tongues is, I could stand here with my microphone and say, pray. And you are praying, I'm praying, but I'm praying with the microphone. There's a difference. I'm praying in tongues. But when I proceed to deliver a message to the church in other tongues, it becomes a gift. And Paul says, if you do that, you must interpret so that the church will be edified. Are you getting it? If I don't interpret what has been said in tongues, then um, there's no edification. An interpretation of tongues is not an intellectual exercise. It is as much a spiritual gift as praying in tongues or speaking in tongues um, to the church is. Are you getting me? Uh, it's as much a spiritual gift. So, well, Because I, I might be saying interpretation of tongues, you interpret the tongues, and then people are like, ha, ah, this interpret tongues. And then I, I, I once heard one ignorant person say that when you are saying, when you speak in tongues, when you see, um, when you say Baba, it means this. It means, <laughs> you know, I can tell that that person does not operate with the interpretation of tongues, the gifts. He does not, he's not intelligent in those gifts. Because, in fact, this is, not prop- this is not necessarily tongues and interpretation. Actually, it is not. But it gives you a precedence for how spiritual things work. Daniel and um, what's the name of the king? Belteshazzar, Bel- that guy. Yeah, that one. That, that um, the guy went into the temple, took all the golden cups that were meant for the temple, used it to throw party because he wanted to impress bibs. And then as he was impressing the bibs, God wrote on his wall, wrote forwards. Mene, mene, tekel, ufasen. Forwards. Then it was right there on the wall. For this, they called Daniel. We heard that you do interpret weird things. Come and carry out. <laughs> so Daniel got there and saw it. And Daniel said, mene, mene. You have been weighed and you have been found wanting. Mene, mene. Two words. You have been weighed and you have been found Wanting, and the kingdom has been taken away from your hands. He gave him like six sentences from four words. So there's no rule. So we could speak in tongues for two minutes, and I'll give you an entire sermon out of it. That that's interpretation, and to be correct, are you getting this? Uh huh. So it's not translation of tongues; it's interpretation of tongues. The difference between translation and interpretation is translation is you take the words and you, you say what it means in another language, right? Interpretation is, this was what was intended when this was said. Are you getting me? So interpretation of tongues is, I spoke in tongues, the Holy Spirit, uh, and by the Spirit, I declared the intention of the Spirit that was revealed or that was communicated in tongues. Eh, it's a different thing. So he says, 
um, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, or um, the KJV calls it the word of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Next verse. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. To another, interpretation of languages. But one and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each one as he wills. (sighs) Now, this is another important thing you need to learn about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not a gift to the one that is administering it. Spiritual gifts are a gift to the one at the receiving end of the administration. Do you understand? Raise your hand if you understand. Good. So if I walk a healing, I have manifested the gift of healing, not to me. I'm not the one with the gift of healing. You have received... Do you get it? If I... If I impact into you faith, maybe I speak words that raise faith, or I pray for you, and faith is stirred, the gift of faith has come to you. If I, by the Spirit, speak words that give wisdom, insight into what you should do, the gift of the word of wisdom has come to you. If by the Spirit, I know things about you that I, I, I shouldn't know, the word of knowledge came to you, that was, it was you the gift was given to, not me. So, never see yourself... As a container that carries the gifts, but rather as a conduit through which the gifts will flow. Are you getting this? Are you understanding this? That's why he says he distributes to each one as he wills. You know, for a long time in the body of Christ, we've read these statements to mean that the Holy Spirit will give you the gift of word of knowledge, which means that the gifts that you will be proficient at as the Holy Ghost wills is the word of knowledge. That's the only thing you know how to do. But then the next person will proficient at prophecy because that's the only thing the Holy Ghost wants him to know how to do. No, what the Holy Spirit is saying here, or what Paul was saying here by the leading of the Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts to the person who needs it as the Holy Ghost wills. So if the Holy Ghost sees that you need a healing and he wants you to be healed, he will send somebody to heal you as he wills. Are you getting it? Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. So, now, are there necessarily nine gifts of the Spirit? No. These are nine, um, or let me put it like this. Paul mentioned nine categories or nine things <laughs> that could be considered gifts of the Spirit. But in one place... He opened up the room to other things that you can't even explain. He called it the working of miracles. Notice, you know, the thing is that when people think of the working of miracles, they automatically think healing. But there is the gift of healings. Is that true? Which means the working of miracles is different. Let me give you an example of the working of miracles. In 2010... A young man in my classroom was sharpening a pencil. He was sharpening this pencil. And then suddenly, a shrapnel of the pencil flew into his eye. 
Now, that, you don't need a healing for that. It's only a miracle that will save you. You see, because a healing is the repairing of damaged body parts. This one is, there's no damage. You have a foreign substance. <laughs> so he started to wail and cry. and he was. So I called him. I said, young man, please, can I pray with you? He said, yes. And I put my hand on his eyes and prayed. And the shrapnel did not fall out. It dissolved. It just, it wasn't there again. <laughs> now that's working of miracles. It's different from healing. Do you get what I am saying? Ah, yeah. So it opens up the room <laughs> to different manifestations. And notice, go back to verse 8. Um, verse 7, rather. Notice that Paul says here that a manifestation of the Spirit, he called it manifestation at this point. So, there are diverse manifestations. It's these manifestations that he calls the gifts of the Spirit. So, for instance, under what category do you classify Philip? Changing location without moving with his legs. You know that's what the Bible says. He finished talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, and then the Bible says the Spirit of God took him to somewhere else. <laughs> God, Jesus. And you know that's not the first time it happened in the Bible. It happened a lot with Elijah. It happened a lot with Elijah. So much so that, <laughs> you know, there's this story that many of you must have heard. Um, the one time that Ahab came to call Elijah, and then he sent a captain with 50 men. And Elijah was somewhere. And then they came to meet Elijah and said, our king requests your presence. And Elijah turned them to swear. <laughs> yeah, he called down fire from heaven and consumed all of them. He did it three times. The last one that came said, please, hey, I come in peace. Peace. I'm coming in peace. No violence. He went and said, please, we're begging you, please, come with us. And this is the funny thing. Elijah then told him, go, I'm coming. And he said, what? this was the guy's response. He said, what have I done to you? Why do you want me to die? Because he knew it was common in Elijah's ministry that Elijah would be here, that he won't be there again. He'll be someplace else. He would just disappear. It was common in his ministry. So the guy was like, we know you. You will say you are coming now. We know this is where you are. We'll go and tell the king that you are coming. Then you will disappear. We won't find you for under two years. Why do you want, why, why? <laughs> under what category do you classify that? Working of, the only way you can call it is working of miracles. See, do not desensitize yourself to the possibilities in Christ though. So a man of God, I saw one time a man of God, it was a meme. People turned it into a meme on Twitter that he was sharing a testimony that he, he entered into a toilet in this particular airport in this country and came out in another country. And people were just shouting that airlines, uh, airlines have left the group chat. That's what, I'm like, what are you saying? And you all are Christians. You are, des- you are actively desensitizing yourself to the work because... Because think about it. If that thing happens to you after all those jokes, what would be your response? <laughs> See, I know, I know what it feels like to be in a place and not be there. <laughs> you know, in 2018, I was on a bike. And then <laughs> we got to Second Rainbow and the trailer was coming. And the trailer cleared our bike. Now, I was using my phone on the bike because I had trust. 
for this bike man. So I picked my phone up and I was listening to music, chatting, and then I just said, hey, 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 you know that thing that happens, Nigerians shouting that tragedy is about to, hey, and I looked up and I saw literally a trailer just coming straight for us. Now, this bike man, we were, so if you get to Second Rainbow, right, you know how um, there's that road that leads towards a papa side. So there's, I don't know if, I don't know if it's still like that, but there's a way back men will take you and cross the road and park beside. But there's this large culvert that they can't climb over. So we were right in front of the culvert. And you know, Okada does not have reverse. <laughs> so trailer is coming and this man is trying his possible best to reverse the bike. And this trailer is coming at full speed. And the trailer jammed the bike. Now, I opened my eyes and I was standing at the other side of the road and the bike one was dead. Yeah, it's, not, it's not one of those stories that have a happy ending. <laughs> the bike man was dead. <laughs> How I moved from on top of that bike to this side of the road could have only been a miracle. Don't desensitize yourself to things like that. Now, when I say that, people are like, it's, it's, God is good, though. God is good. But when the man of God says, I prayed, I entered this airport, prayed in this toilet, and I opened my eyes in another airport, in another country, like, ah! <laughs> like, do you know how ironic it is that as a Christian, you believe that Jesus ascended into the sky, but you can't believe that. <laughs> You know that's how he went. He finished everything and just I was in disguise. Don't don't this is why I always tell people, don't make a joke out of spiritual things. Don't um some things should never be funny to you, no matter how funny they are. <laughs> some jokes should never be funny to you. Because when you are face to face with the situation where, for instance, there's a friend of mine that does, many of you should know him. He does these kids where he will see you. He'll say, you're a young man. You're wearing gray. Have I, have I met you before? Celebrate grace. How many of you know him? Femi Babs. Yeah. Femi is my guy. But as much as that, I, I, I enjoy his skits, but I don't, I, don't, I don't find those jokes funny. Because the day you genuinely have a word of knowledge for somebody, that's what will play in your head. Now you will look at him. You say, your sister is suffering something, something, something. Can I pray for your sister? You say, yes, it's celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's what will be playing in your head. And the funny thing is, it can cause doubt in your head. It can. Tell me, I don't have beef with you. <laughs> it can cause doubt in your head. So if, if you, if you um, don't learn to make some things hallowed, that is, don't joke and go to this area. It, don't, it, it, would, it will really affect you. When we were much younger, there was this very funny joke. Pastor, um, this man came with a bow leg. You prayed for him. The leg straightened. You kept praying. It now became K-leg. Uh, give Jesus a big hand. <laughs> People will laugh. Uh, first of all, the joke is not funny. Like minus Christianity, no fun. There's, I don't. <laughs> How is that a joke? 
Somebody came with bow leg. You pray that he became kill leg. Oh, hey, well, what's funny? Then secondly, imagine you now have to pray with somebody with a bow leg. Like that's the person the Holy Spirit leads you to say, see this, go and pray for him. Now you are walking to the person and the joke now starts replaying in your head. <laughs> how, how exactly do you want to pray in faith? Praise the Lord. So don't desensitize yourself or, or don't desensitize yourself to spiritual things. Don't commonize them. Praise God. Don't commonize them. Don't make jokes out of them. There are testimonies. See, when you hear a testimony, your first response should be, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. I don't know this person. I've never met him before, but thank you. Because when you thank God like that, you, you recognize the possibilities in God that this can happen and it can happen with me. See, I'm telling you, there's something Bishop David Oedipo used to say, what you despise, you will never attract. It's true. It's true. What you despise, you will never attract it. You will never see it to, to use. It will never happen to you. I remember one time, in, in the university. And, and I think I can say all of this because I've been on both ends of this matter. I've been on the end where um, I was open to spiritual things and then suddenly I came into some form of knowledge and I became extremely ridicule, um, ridiculous. I, mean, I, I used to ridicule spiritual things a lot. And I knew the results I saw in both times. So there was a time um, when I was an undergraduate there was this particular week. That week, the Lord told me he's going to teach me on supernatural provision. I said, okay. Teacher, teacher, I've heard you. And then the week started like this. People, throughout that week, people would just come and tell me, oh, I was passing by cafeteria and I decided to buy food for you, seafood. So I never, that entire week, I didn't buy food once. There was a particular person that said he saw me I was in my hostel. He said he saw me in the cafeteria that I told him to buy food for him. I'm sorry that he should buy food for me, rather. And then he turned to buy the tickets to buy the food. But the time turned back to give me the tickets, I had gone from the cafeteria. That I told him that this is the particular food I want. So if he went to see you, I wanted fried rice, dry beans with gizzard. That's what I used to eat all the time. So... I told him that this is exactly what I want. Fried rice, dry beans with gizzard. Three gizzard. Because I like to eat meat. So he turned, and this is interesting. I was in my hostel all the while playing FIFA. I was not praying. I was playing FIFA. So this young man walked into my room and said, see your food. You should imagine the confusion on my face. Like, I was like, which food? Is that the one you said I should buy for you? Then I became more confused. <laughs> Actually, had to ask my roommates that guys, I've been here since bar. <laughs> Did I go out at any? Maybe I'm now, I'm now forgetting things. He said no. They were like, oh, you've been here since we've been FIFA since. The guy was like, no. That actually, what happened was, I stopped him in the cafeteria, and said, would you buy food for me? And he said, okay, no problem. And then, wow, okay. And God, and that week ended with this. I had a meeting in Peter Hall. Can't forget. And I had. Only 500 naira in my pockets then. And so, 
I was going to Peter Hall to preach. And then somebody stopped me in front of the cafeteria and said, he doesn't have money for food. That could I give him money for food? Now, all I had was 500 naira. I was like, well, okay, fine. I'll find something to eat. So I took the 500 naira and put it in his hand. And I said, oh, thanks, chairman. God, we bless you, chairman. I said, amen, bye-bye. <laughs> and I went to preach. And I finished preaching. And I came out of Peter Hall and put my hand in the same pocket. And the 500 naira was still there. How it happened, I cannot know. I cannot explain. But thank God it was still there. <laughs> now, some ridiculous people will now say, all these miracles of money multiplication, which serial number is on the new money? We don't know. What serial number was on the coin in the fish's mouth? Do you know? Was there coin there? Yes, Celebrate grace. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Stop trying to be too logical that, oh, that God can... You know, there are people who say things, God cannot work miracles around money multiplication. That money cannot come from heaven. Listen, it can. And you better believe that it will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be open to the possibilities of God. Be open to those. I can't explain how it will happen, but I know God can do it. Else, how can you explain that a virgin will give birth? How do you want to explain it? Praise the Lord. Be open. See, sometimes eh, a friend will call you and tell you, this is the problem I'm going through. And God will tell you, tell the person that in so, so, so number of days, very unrealistic thing he will say. In ha. (laughs) Do you know the funny thing? Mike Todd would always say, it's foolish until it becomes true. So your friend called you, so, so things are happening. And then both of you pray together. And as we are praying, God said to you, tell her, in one week, it's going to be solved. Now in your mind, this issue is usually take like two months to solve God. Are you sure? And then God says, say one week, one week. Now, as a person who understands how to work miracles, what do you do? Hello? God said one week. Amen? Amen. Remove your mind from it. Because guess what? In one week, you will see the results. You will. Ego shock everybody. Praise the Lord. I remember a couple of weeks ago, um, God asked me to pray for people who, whose families were going through um, some court-related issues. And so I was praying for particular, peop- um, for particular people as they came. And then the Holy Spirit told me, you know what? Every other person that comes, tell them in two weeks it will be solved. I said, two weeks. Now, the funny thing is, one of the people who came to meet me, their family had been going through a court case for 15 years. 15. And this guy messaged me, told me, can you come, can you come? I said, I prayed break the hold of the devil in Jesus' name. Don't worry, in two weeks, it will be solved. Now, caveat, <laughs> as a man of God, sometimes you want to protect yourself. So when God says, say in two weeks, the court cases will be resolved. You say, ah, say in two weeks, you will see changes. <laughs> Let's leave margin for error. <laughs> so I'm not... <laughs> I'm not, I'm a man of faith too. 
I get fit, but God get fit past me. So I told him, in two weeks, everything will be, you know. Shall I expect a miracle? The guy messaged me with so much joy on Facebook. A couple of, it wasn't all of the two weeks. He was like that. Suddenly, the people that were taking his parents to court just dropped the kiss. I said, hey. Have you seen miracle that when you are the one that prayed for you too, when they share the testimony with you, you'll be like, it's not true. <laughs> I remember when I've shared this testimony several times. I went to Covenant University to do a meeting. And so before the meeting, usually when I want to do a healing meeting, um, before the meeting starts, I would pray and then the Lord would give me words of knowledge about people that will be in the meeting and certain problems and pains that I'm going to pray for. Right? So the Lord told me I should pray for a girl with a pain. In her right leg. I can't forget. So I was like, okay, cool. You see, because as a pastor, there are certain things you get used to. When you're calling for pain in the leg, it's usually men that come out. Because we do do stupid things. Like play football. And play basketball. I mean, December, was it December last year or two years ago, I sprained, was it my left leg I sprained or my right leg? I just sprained one leg. Before my wedding, um, I sprained my leg because I went to play football. And then I jumped up and landed the wrong way and the leg went... <laughs> like I heard the, <laughs> I said, ah, God. So, but when is a girl that says she has a pain? It's just pain. So I called. I said, um, "There's a lady. The Lord is telling me there's a lady. You have a pain in your leg." And that was not even the first case. I was calling out. I had called out several. There was one God told me. I remember vividly that somebody had movements, like she had movements in her skin. Um, I prayed for that one. She came out. I prayed for her. The movement stopped. Praise God. Hallelujah. Also prayed for the ulcer person. The pains went. Then I had pain in the leg. So the girl came out and sat down. She came out. So I said, oh, you have a pain in your leg? She said, yes. I said, what's the problem with the pain? She said, actually, that is from her spine, her waist down to her leg. I said, so what's the problem? She said, one leg is shorter than the other. <sighs> so I came out of my body. <laughs> And looked at myself and said, you're in trouble today. <laughs> See this miracle? You must walk it. Because everybody's watching. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when you're ministering under the, um, the, um, the leading of the Spirit, you will say things that later you now realize, what was I saying? Yeah. So as she said, I said, that's not a problem. Ah, I said, ah. it's a problem. <laughs> I don't know who's telling you it's not a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> Say, I'll pray for you, be healed. Say, ah. Say, sit down. She sat down. Bring out your leg. She brought out the leg. One leg shorter, obviously shorter than the other one. So I closed my eyes very tight <laughs> and held the shorter leg. Grow in the name of Jesus. And it was is the most. I think I've worked a lot of miracles, right? I've I've seen healings a lot. But till today, I don't think I've ever seen a miracle happen by my hands. That felt that unreal. Her leg was literally like her bones. You know that thing that happens when you crack your... Her bones were cracking. Her ankle was cracking and it was growing in my... It was weird. My eyes were closed. Then suddenly everybody started shouting around. So I opened my eyes. I saw the thing. I was like... (laughs) Now, she was shocked. People were shouting because they were shocked. But I don't think they were all as shocked as I was. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, don't exempt yourself 
from the possibilities of God. Uh, the reason why I'm taking my time to talk about these experiences, you know me, I'll usually, I think this is the most, most of you have seen me share experiences in a teaching. You know me, I'll usually just teach the word and stick to it. But when it comes to the teaching of the things of the Spirit, experiences help because experiences tell you what is obtainable, what is possible. Do you get what I'm saying? Huh? That's why I'm taking my time to share them. So don't, don't think to yourself that, oh, I've not prayed enough. You know, some people, some people think that the miracle won't happen except you have prayed up. And I think that's the major issue, or one major issue. The way the Holy Spirit taught it to me was he used a bottle of granite. Because that's the way he taught it to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember this was in 2012. He told me, take a, take a bottle of granite. I took it. He said, turn it upside down immediately. No, a bottle of chin chin. It wasn't granite, it was chin chin. He said, turn it upside down. So I turned it upside down. And like maybe one or two chin chin fell out because that's the way it actually will work. Because all the chin chin will rush to the neck of the bottle and just, if you really want it to come out, you shake it, then you keep it at a very slight angle. I like to just come out at its own pace, right? And so the Holy Spirit told me, if you try to force spiritual things to happen, you will stop them from happening. If you just go with the flow, you will enjoy the flow of the Spirit. Have you gone for meetings where they are trying? You, you will know it. Ah, as a man of God, sometimes you just know that this person is trying to force this thing to happen. Say, so, <laughs> I don't have a problem with people blowing on people. You know I do it. You know I do. <laughs> Some people say, come on now. It was, ah, okay, calm down. <laughs> Just release yourself. Some people depend so much on the prayer that they've prayed and think that it is because of how long they prayed that the thing will happen. <laughs> so in 2012, I did a meeting. And before that meeting, that was our very first worship conference that we ever did. And I was like, God, power must flow. Things must occur. So I prayed the entire day before that meeting. When I say the entire day, I mean the entire day, 24 hours. I spent the whole day praying. And I said, yes. As I'm coming for this meeting, as I just enter like this. Left and right. Wow, people just be falling. Power everywhere. They will know that, yes, man of God has come. Ah, that meeting was empty. <laughs> Nothing happened. To flow, I was even, I was like, ah, I should not pray. Or did I not pray enough? Now, the next year, no, this meeting was for 2013. So the next year was 2014, I remember. I was doing my service, my internship that year. So I went for... Now, I didn't have the opportunity to pray the entire day before because I was at work. So I just came back from work that night. I just said some prayer. I said, God, now you're on with day. Because this meeting now, now only you. And we started the meeting. When the meeting even started, everything was just upside down. We were not organized at first. You were that meeting now, Reckless Abandon. We were not organized at first. We were just... Then at some point, I mounted the stage, took the mic, I started to sing, and the power of God broke out everywhere. Even I that was singing, I was like, 
Ha. Okay. Mm. Nice. See, eh? there's a lot of work that goes into ministry. So let me not let me not make it look like oh, if you are to minister, just come up and say anything. If I will catch you. I tell you to hold. I, I was telling the workers in the Yerba Church, and I'm going to tell people now. Soon, it will not just be Pastor David or any of the pastors that be leading prayer. It's you. You will just will just give you call that you are leading opening prayer. If we tell you to lead prayer, you just lead it shabbily. I will know. You have to pray up to come and lead the prayer. Uh, so there's a lot of work that goes into all of those. But when it comes to walking with the Spirit. You will do the work, then you will show up as if you did not do any work before. The Holy Ghost, where do you want me to go? You want me to turn left? I turn left. Left this way. I turn left. You want me to turn right? I turn right. If you want me to move forward, I move forward. Do you understand? I'm not coming based on the strength of my prayers. I'm coming to just flow with you. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Have you learned something today? So, next week, we'll take it a step further. Next week, I'll classify the gifts for you. We'll talk about power gifts, utterance gifts, and um, inspiration, revelation gifts. So, we'll take time to explain what the gifts are and how they work, how they work. Um, I'll show you the use of the gifts in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then we'll do some practical Next week, amen. amen. Yeah, so if it's power gifts, we will do practical. Some of you will lay hands on people and they will fall. It will shock you. I remember the first time I laid hands on, on someone. You know, when I was, you know, I told you I started ministry in secondary school, right? But then at that time, I was in um, what you would call a deliverance ministry. You know deliverance ministries? Yeah, the one where the pastor, <laughs> he uses your head like steering wheel. Yeah, that was... So I only I I believed that if a person fell, it had to be because there was a demon. Ah, it had to be that the devil is doing this person heavily. And it was Pastor Benny Hinn that delivered my delivered me from my ignorance. So I read some of his books, watched some of his videos, and this particular evening I had just watched some Pastor Benny Hinn videos, and then I was I went for this thing we used to do every evening, and basically. Prayer force, prayer band, powerhouse, powerhouse. Yes, we used to call it powerhouse. It was a prayer thing we used to do every evening in school then in the common room. So I went for the common room meeting. And the person who was supposed to anchor the meeting was not around. And he had left instructions before I got there that when I get there, they should tell me that I should anchor it. <laughs> so I arrived to just pray with my brothers and go back. And then they said, ah, the pastor so also said you should. I said, ah, Okay. It's not just to pray. We will pray. And so we did some worshiping. We did some praying. And then at some point, the Holy Ghost said, it's time to practicalize everything you have learned. I said, what have I learned particularly? He said, you will lay hands on people. I said, I know. He said, don't worry. You will lay hands on people and they will fall. I said, I can understand that I will lay hands. That one is voluntary. It's just to put hands on somebody, but that they will fall. I don't get why. I don't think I have that kind of power or anointing. So I said, no, it's very simple. Just do what you've seen. Then he told me, announce it. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you guys now. The Holy Spirit is leading me to lay hands on people. And then he said, no, tell them that you will lay hands on them and then they will fall. 
I remember vividly. Because <laughs> that's how the literary works. So I was like, okay, I'm going to lay hands on some of you and you will fall under the bus. Notice I said some of you, not all of you. Because like I said, you have to give margin of error. <laughs> and then another margin of error is you now say, you don't have to fall for it to make effect in your life. It's true. It's actually true that you don't have to fall for the laying on of hands to be effective. But sometimes, men of God just say that when they've scanned the atmosphere, ah, this place is cold. If I lay out on this people, they will make my anointing look useless. And that's the thing. Some people can make the power of God, the, the anointing of the man's life, just look like, you know, they walk, not in this my head. Ha! There was a meeting that I was invited to two years ago. I got there. We had worshipped. We had prayed everything. They were just looking at me like this. I said, ah. And then the person that invited me specifically said, you will lay hands on people. I said, ah, man of God. You have set me up. Because these people, nothing will happen yet today. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> some people will just, some people, they will come out for you to pray for them. They'll just stand like this. Be looking at it. I remember, I remember a young man um, then in Faith Academy. Bishop, the Bishop David Ebo was laying hands, and this guy just came and stood like this. Now I know the evil sent. If I if I'm praying for people, I just I just man on your pass next, because <laughs> you will not make me waste my time. <laughs> so with that means I said I will lay hands on you, and then you will fall. I said, okay. And then we prayed, 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 prayed. And then the Holy Spirit said, start from here. I went to him, and as soon as I touched him, he crumbled. I was shocked. I was like, ah. <laughs> so, I think, if you just let the Holy Spirit direct you and guide you. So, when we say, come out. Next, when we're, when we're practicalizing power gifts, for instance. And I say, okay, lay hands communicate things of the spirit to one another speak a blessing to somebody don't now think that if you press the stomach hard enough the anointing will enter <laughs> I remember one time you know sometimes as men of God we do things to just prove some people wrong one time I laid hands I used to lay I would put my full hand on your head and then one lady messaged me that you are pushing people you are pushing people down I said uh-uh. Why would I push? Say no, yeah. So I said, I said, uh, uh, point at you. How will I push you like this? <laughs> if I push you down like this, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so that let, tell me how I'm pushing somebody down like that. Just give expression to the things of the spirit, and this is the thing you already know how to do it. You already know how to do it. You might have never done it before, but you already know how to do it. Your spirit man already knows how to do it. So the first time you do it, you might be shocked that, ah, I've never seen this happen before. But it won't feel new to you. It won't feel like, wow, something new just happened. It will be like the first time you spoke with tongues. It didn't feel new like, ah, I just bought a new Bible or I just got a new gift. It, it just felt like something that had always been there that you just discovered how to use. Are you getting me? Yeah, so next week we're going to spend some time um, we'll just take it a step further. Um, we'll talk about the classification of the gifts and how they are used. <sighs> you guys will learn a lot. Praise the Lord. 
Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.